I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence, and joining me today is Amber Gadar, founder of Alliance Block. Alliance Block describes itself as the first globally compliant decentralized capital market. What does that actually mean, Amber? That actually means that uh, we are the platform, the ecosystem that is going to bridge what we now call decentralized finance and uh, traditional finance, meaning that we will open the door for traditional financial institution to benefit from the incredible amount of new products and new processes that have been developed and are still being dis- developed in the decentralized finance space. And this is uh, with a, um, a fully uh, regulatory ecosystem and an ecosystem that take uh, into account the uh, governance and the uh, operationality of traditional finance uh, infrastructure structure. And speaking of traditional, of course, you you recently linked up with one of the the oldest stock exchanges around, uh, signing an agreement to join the London Stock Exchange Group's partner platform. What does that actually do for you? And what do you gain out of it? Well, this was a conversation that we started having uh, 18 months ago. Uh, For us, it was a very important, uh, very important milestone, because the London Stock Exchange opens to us the uh, huge amount of institutional clients that they have, meaning we'll be able to list our products on uh, on their platform and their clients will be able to invest in, um, in, uh, in these products. And on top of that, we will be uh, given a, uh, or we have given them a list of clients that we want to be introduced to directly to have one-on-one uh, conversations. So it is a, a real milestone in the space. How do you manage global compliance? Because you must be talking to a variety of different regulators to be able to achieve that. Correct. So the end goal is end goal is globally compliant. To become globally compliant, we need to start somewhere, and we're mainly working with the UK, Switzerland, Netherlands, United States, uh, Philippines, and where basically we keep uploading a new regulation through collaboration with the regulator, but also with different uh, law uh, law cabinets. Um, and the idea is to have everyone on the platform, and every time there is a new regulation the rules will be automatically updated. So the more you onboard regulator and you onboard uh, law cabinets, they will automatically start updating the rules as soon as one rule is uh, announced. And this will allow for the system to remain and maintain its uh, its compliance, its regulatory compliance. Let's dive into the Alliance Block Protocol. What is the protocol and what's the significance of being blockchain agnostic? So blockchain agnostic. So at the moment, you have multiple or different types of blockchain. You have the Bitcoin blockchain, you have the Ethereum blockchain, you have the Polkadot blockchain and others. And if you're basically issuing or uh, creating a product on one blockchain, it is very complicated to trade with another blockchain. So if you have a product that is on Ethereum and it wants to be swapped with a product that is on Polkadot, you will need sort of an intermediary layer there to be able to make the switch. So when we say we're blockchain compliant, it means that we sit on top of the blockchain and we do this swap uh, automatically. So you're effectively converting. Is that what I'm hearing? You're converting a, a crypto asset into a different product? We're converting a crypto asset that is, let's say, 
in in bond space you had the reg s bond and then you had the the american ones usually when you have a reg s bond and you have one that is only for the united states if you have you, you cannot you cannot trade one for the other you will need to go through a process where you need to fund one into the other and this is the easiest way to look at uh, blockchain being blockchain agnostic so who's this for? Is this a buy side or a sell side opportunity? Actually, it's both. Uh, on the sell side, uh, we have a lot of partners because we know we want to go quick and we can't build everything ourselves and we're very ecosystem driven. So we have big partnerships with some of the big uh, blockchain projects out there and we're using their modules to integrate into our modules to be able to build their products and our products at the same time. And on the buy side, well, you have crypto enthusiasts, if you want. That's the smallest one. But our target is the institutional asset managers in, in the space, the family offices, private banks, etc. How far along are you on the journey? When does this become something that is, is live and generally accepted? Well, this the adventure started at the end of November uh, 2000. 2018, we recently started issuing or releasing our own liquidity product, liquidity pools product. And then on the, by end of Q2 2021, so in a few months, we will be launching our first first product, which will be the data tunnel. And it will be followed uh, maybe one or two months later by the short-term financing and FT product that we have uh, that we have in place. So just to give you a quick description, what we call data tunnel is, well, a tunnel for data. But why do we need one? <laughs> it's because in the decentralized space, data is very, very fragmented. As we were talking about, there's like multiple blockchains, there are multiple data sources. Some of these data sources are not real. There's a lot of noise out there. This data is completely unstructured. So what we do is we structure this data in a way that is very easy to access, very easy to comprehend. And on top of that, we have an analytic operational system in place that will help Various players, whether on the sell side or buy side, have a better analysis and better understanding of what is going on in the decentralized finance space. And then the second one, which is what we call NFT short-term financing, it's a sort of very sexy, if you want, asset-backed or asset-collateralized security. And this allows a different asset managers, private banks, whoever has a physical asset or a digital asset or a financial asset to securitize this asset for a short term and be able to receive uh, receive a yield. Data is going to change the financial markets. Management of data is going to change the financial markets in ways that people are still only just coming to grips with. I am uh, 100% with you on that. And I think it has already started. I mean, in this world, if you're if you're in financial markets, you need to have data. It's simple. I remember the time we were tra- when I was a trader. We used to our commodity traders used to follow the Twitter feeds of agriculture agriculturers in Brazil to be able to know if the weather is correct or not and how it's going to affect the future uh, the future production. So, indeed, data is very important. I think the big change that is going to happen is the disintermediation of this data. 
Meaning right now you have very big data player like Bloomberg, Refinitiv, Reuters, etc. But what we're building is to be able to allow everyone to give his data and sell his data. You don't need licenses anymore, like the, the type of Bloomberg uh, annual licenses. You can sell just a packet, a packet of data. You're an agricultural now, agricultural now that is in, in Brazil. You want to sell the data on the weather. Well, you can sell the data on how was the weather today in your in your field, and you can make money out of this. So this democratization of, of returns, which is driven by the disintermediation of data, is something that we look forward to. Amber Gadda of Alliance Block, thank you very much.